crosstalk, the unintentional transfer of signals between communication channels, a casual conversation. Oh man! No, oh, so, that was recording. All right, so we missed the ball joke, but that's okay. <laughs> that's we'll, right. we'll find a way to work in another ball joke, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> this is already going off the rails, and we haven't even done the official opening yet. And well, all right, so let's just get this started then. Uh, hello, world! Yeah, this is Video Game Crosstalk, episode zero three. Hold on, I gotta update the show notes. Zero three six. This is going to be my favorite episode. <laughs> the monthly podcast of gamers talking about tech, science, and whatever else comes to mind. I'm your host, Anthony Rossi, and with me this episode, oh, it's going to be shenanigans. It's going to be good. I actually have two guests with me this time, and we've already heard Mr. Judge Greg from The Enthusiast. Greg, how are you doing, buddy? Great. How are you doing? I will make this work. God. <laughs> this will work and my other guest is average joe from project guardians joe thank you so much for joining me no problem thanks for having me this is uh Uh, definitely kicking off uh very entertaining and uh i'm glad to be here uh judges just cracking me up over here i'm gonna have to mute my mic soon So uh, this is this is going to be a fun episode. I'm really going to enjoy this. So what we got going on this episode, it's a little different. I just come off a whole string of uh, different live episodes. I recently had a really good live episode with Muse and Lestrella over at Queenship Games. And this is actually the first episode I have recorded in a long time over the Internet. So I was looking at my history over on Zencaster. And my last one was episode 31. So I've recorded what, four or five episodes uh, since then, just been going to live events. And what we've got this time around is E3 is, well, is it still going? I think it finished like I think it's yesterday, finished. maybe. I don't yeah. know. Okay. We are recording this on Friday night. So I believe E3 has officially wrapped up. So we're going to do a wrap-up of E3, and the reason why I'm trying to get this episode out is because there's a reason why we have... Oh, crap, I completely botched the delivery of that joke. I was going to make a wrap-it-up joke, and now we're fathers. So... You don't don't cut this. You keep this in. This is is podcasting gold right now. And since this is Zencaster, you got sound effects on the top, so you can give yourself a little drum snare if you want. Ooh, I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can do. I haven't played around with any of the Zencaster tools. I I have a couple other audio bits that I can just add as bells and dings and like this little Mario Brothers coin kind of sound. But uh, yeah, maybe we'll keep some of the get a little drum snare, a little rim shot going on. But what I'm trying to get out is that it is Father's Day this weekend, and we are also bringing the fact that we didn't wrap it up, and now we're fathers. There it is. <laughs> wow, that was 
That's a great payoff. I'm glad you're <laughs> with us for that. Jeez. <laughs> so, other silly shenanigans that I have planned for this episode is I'm actually going to try to use this as a fundraiser. And I've been kicking around this idea for a while of doing what I'm calling a pundraiser. And every dad joke that is made through the course of this episode, I'm going to donate $1 to a charitable cause with a minimum donation of $25, maximum donation of $100, because I don't know how far off the rails we're going to go. <laughs> I mean, we were off the rails before you hit record, so <laughs> I mean, well, 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 let's be honest. I'll tell, you, it's... I'll tell you what, I was working on a joke, a really good joke on construction, but it's still in the works, so I'll still get more. you guys later on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So Are you gonna make I'm like gonna a get... ding or something every time we make one so that people can keep track at home. Absolutely. And when I do all the editing, I'll keep a little tally sheet going. And what that total will be, I'll announce that at the end of the episode. And I'm going to see if I can set it up so that the quote suggested end quote donation for the cause would be of whatever the number is that we finally tally. Or just do the usual like five, ten, fifteen dollar, whatever donation. But I'm see if I can make it so that the suggested is the the tally that we come up with at the end. Very cool. All right, uh, we'll see how it works. See how it works. But uh, so we got a lot going on right now. But first off, I want to mention this is one of the first times I've had a guest rejoin me. I had another few guests rejoin me when I did N7 Day like two years ago when I thought that uh, Mass Effect Andromeda was going to be something big and not just a little one-off from Bioware. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's almost a joke in and of itself, really. Seriously. But Judge Greg, I'm trying to remember it. If it's been a full year yet that I had you on originally, probably oh, it has been. I th- I think it has been. I think it has been probably over a year if we really think about it. Yeah, I can and just actually... Google myself and figure it out, but who's got time for that? <laughs> yeah, it's not like we're all sitting in front of a computer right now. I in mean, front of our own. I have to find a computer somewhere and type some stuff in, and I mean. I, to be honest, I have a terrible sense of direction online. That's why my wife packed up all my stuff and write. but i've actually referenced our episode a few times recently because uh, of that bandersnatch episode on netflix where Mm -hmm. you could like choose your own adventure and there's some other choose your own adventure type things come to netflix and i'll joke with some of my coworkers or friends and say well you would have heard of that if you had listened to video game crosstalk (laughs) over a year ago Because, yeah, Joe, I don't know if you realize this, but Netflix has already done something like that with, it was Puss in Boots, I believe. Puss in oh, Boots? yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I've like seen that on Shrek? Netflix. Was that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a huh. spinoff. Uh, yeah. yeah. Right, from Shrek. So, Greg and I, Judge Greg and I actually discussed that, uh, like, over a year ago or something. So... Judge Craig, thank you so much for joining me again. And Joe, Average Joe from Project Guardians, he was kind enough to invite me on to, well, it's not, it wasn't a full Project Guardians podcast. It was one of your Let's Talk episodes. Yeah, we... Uh, you want to talk about I, that? 
Sure. Outside the uh, podcast that we do, uh, it's called uh, St. 14 Project uh, Podcast. We also do on the opposite week, since we only record bi-weekly, kind of keep everything kind of, you know, so not overwhelming on a weekly basis. Uh, on the off weeks, we do just a one-hour live stream, and we invite uh mental health professionals, advocates, uh, life experience people, counselors, uh, and guests and team members from the project all on to discuss um, mental health topics or issues in a round table setting. And we invite everybody, uh, everyone and anyone to come and join the conversation with us uh, live on stream. Uh, you coming in and joining the chat during the stream, you're a part of the conversation and we will relay absolutely everything and integrate you right into the conversation with us. So it's just really a great uh, way to talk openly in a comfortable setting about uh, real mental health topics and get people's real perspectives and good uh, resources. And you were on our last episode and it was so great. It was such a great conversation too. Uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on with us. And well, uh, it was a blast. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And yeah, so great. Joe actually does a serious podcast. Like he actually has respectable people on. Much, <laughs> yeah, much I'm, I'm listening to this description. I'm like that sounds like a really serious podcast. I complain <laughs> about comic book movies. <laughs> we had uh, when when uh, Anthony was on with us, we had Doctor uh, Denise uh, Morales on with us, and uh, Doctor Goku, but it's you know Doctor Williams, uh, mm -hmm. two uh, medical professionals in the mental health field, and uh, it was just really great. Even though you know it, we do talk about serious you know conversations and topics we're all gamers and we're all in the gaming community and everybody has a great personality and sense of humor, even when touching on some of these topics. So, and I did notice that Dr. Goku had his age of triumph t-shirt on, oh. on screen. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was like, I'm like, I know that t-shirt. I know that t-shirt. <laughs> I've got mine sitting in my drawer somewhere. I'm glad you brought up just the shirt because he does have a very Canadian hat that he likes to wear too. If anybody oh, brings it up, it's like it's in his pocket at all times. I swear, it's got this like the fuzzy ball on the top of it and everything. It's very oh, Canadian. Geez. One of those. Okay, and uh, I am very disappointed. I did not get one particular joke, and I realized it like uh, just before we came on stream. And that the Twitter handles of our medical professionals were Dr. Goku and Super Saiyan yeah. Dr. N. <laughs> Apparently my deficiency is I don't watch Dragon Ball Z rather than not knowing about <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Why aren't you uh, watching Dragon Ball Z? I think we really need to address this right now. You know, I just never got into it, and it's one of those shows where like, there's a lot of shows, and I'm recently getting into comic books, but, like, for the same reason, I just can't catch up on over a thousand episodes across multiple variants. Yeah, I you can see I mean? that. Well, and, and the truth of the Dragon Ball Z is that, and forgive me, fanboys, but 75% uh, <laughs> of it is unwatchable crap. Yeah, it is. But, but the other 25% is really cool. 
But yeah, like when somebody says, I saw this episode and it was terrible and they just, they just screamed the whole time and nobody fought. Like, OK, yeah, there's a few of those. You really you really only need to watch like every third episode and you can kind of follow what's happening and going on. So I had heard that there was something where or like a certain series where someone just like cut out all the yelling and screaming and standing still and powering up. And like all the episodes became like 12 minutes long <laughs> or something. I, I thought they'd they actually like, like done an official recut where they tried to sort of get rid of all of the extra stuff. And they they lost 80 episodes when they did that. It was crazy. It was, <laughs> now, I, I, I'm pulling the number out, but it was it was an insane number of episodes that they, they were able to cut down. And when they posted it, I can't remember what they called it because that was years ago. But OK, yeah, that's I mean, that's that's what I would recommend, because when anytime somebody complains about Dragon Ball Z, usually their complaints are. Uh, very well founded in in something that's wrong with the show. Like they just yelled the entire time, or there's a lot of episodes that are just dedicated to silliness. Like oh, this dude just ate for the whole episode. Yeah, they've they have a few of those from time to time. Yeah, yeah. I actually went through all of the Naruto episodes a year or so back, and yeah, they're the occasional we're just kind of a filler episode type of thing. Like mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on. Apparently, this is a thing in the anime. Yes. All right. Well, okay. That happened. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. I'll I'll tell you what. I I was not it just a long time ago. I was not a Star Trek fan. I it was like burned into me, and I looked forward to the off seasons of Next Generation. My dad and my brother were huge Star Trek fans, and like even ordered mail ordered the VHS tapes, and would watch them at dinner. It, it, it like destroyed me, but my brother would also take over the TV later on watching Dragon Ball Z, and I would oh, kind of get trapped. Like, oh, what are we watching? It's like, oh, what's this? And then it got to the fight scenes, and I'm like, okay, this is pretty awesome. And I followed yeah. it all the way through, and I saw yeah. our voodoo just hit Dragon Ball Z Broly, okay. and I got to watch mm-hmm. it because this is where you know the main character gets killed. Like he's done, and I got to see how this all goes down. And isn't like all those fight scenes just uh, well, like the first yeah. fifteen to twenty minutes, yeah. But then get going, is, yeah. That checks out, yeah. But what, once they actually start fighting, it it gets pretty cool. And so I have seen like compilations or just like the fight scene itself as like its own video clip. And credit where credit is due, to be able to just come up with how the fight will progress and animate all the moves in a logical sequence. That has got to be an immense amount of planning to do. I would imagine with most choreography, but the fight scenes really are impressive. I got it. All they got to do is just figure out what color hair they want to go into the fight with. And (laughs) when I first started watching that show, I legitimately thought there were twice as many characters as they were. (laughs) So who's this blonde guy now? What happened to the other guy? (laughs) He looks like the other guy, but a little bit bigger and blue hair. His hair's different. And now there's these blue haired people walking around and this white haired guy. Now, I don't know what his deal is. Yeah. Another guy that's got like a main like Sonic the Hedgehog now. You know, <laughs> yeah. Who's this guy? <laughs> Where are his eyebrows? That is weird. <laughs> so, so the hedgehog guy, did he just kind of roll up in and start fighting everyone else? Sorry, that was a really weak attempt at a hedgehog joke. I'm sorry. Uh, it counts. Oh. 
<laughs> because I realized we've been talking about uh, Dragon Ball Z for the past like ten minutes or so, huh. and my like dad joke count was only at like three. Oh. So <laughs> we can talk about something else. I actually recently I just read a book about anti gravity, and it was impossible to put down. Uh, fabulous! I'll count it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so uh, outside of the podcast, Joe, what have you been up to? Really, just work, family, and uh, working on some things. Uh, I'm oh, I it working on the at the you know with the project and everything. It's it's a daily thing, so I'm I'm always okay. involved uh, throughout the morning, throughout the day, at night, late night. Uh, I've been actually working on a uh, certification uh, in my spare time. Uh, it's uh, CPIT certification. It's uh, crisis prevention intervention training and i have three days left on that i wrap that up next week nice and i'm really excited for that it's been a really great experience and that's just another one of the things that we do with the project is we're always trying to you know further you know kind of educate ourselves and bring more to all the you know the community and after that i uh, have already talked with uh crisis uh hotline and okay. I'll be volunteering uh, 200 hours of time uh, supporting people late night uh, that might be calling in for support and everything. So that's pretty much what I've been. And I got a sunburn from a garage sale last weekend. So, uh, um, so Joe, uh, how old are your kids? Uh, kids? 10 and 2. 10 and 2? Okay. It's too bad and... it wasn't 10 and 4. That would have been awesome. That, that, that would have been a good dad joke there too. It would have been. Was, well, yeah. I'm sure in the car they are very safe. We did one hand on each. Ten, hands at ten and two. Count it because jokes are always uh, funny when you have to explain them. There we uh, you were that right in there. You sneaky. <laughs> I feel set up. Yeah, well, you know what? I. It's for <laughs> charity. It's for charity. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, that's great. And Greg, going to swing that back over to you. Uh, what have you been up to? All right. So uh, I have been up to nothing nearly as important <laughs> as Joe. <laughs> Thanks for letting me go after him. Appreciate that. Uh, I've been watching Spartacus. So that's, that's almost – I mean, I just – I like the show uh, because I, I think I've watched it a bunch of times because I don't like to have to pay too close of attention to what's on TV because at the end of the day and I finally get the kids to bed, it's almost like I only want to use 25% of my brain right now. Gotcha. So I put on a show I've watched 100 times, which lately has mm -hmm. been Spartacus. And other than the fact that I love Andy Whitfield in season one and that makes me eternally sad. Uh, I do right. quite enjoy that show and I've watched it a few times, but it, I have, I've actually been working on a study lately and this mm -hmm. might be interesting. Um, so I did find that uh, if you were to buy an apple pie in Jamaica, it's $2 and 50 cents, but it's like $3 in the Bahamas. And I've, so there you have it. Those, those are the pirates of the Caribbean. Ooh, yes. Ooh. For charity. Wow. <laughs> For charity. Talking about pie and everything, you know, just makes me think. I, I keep trying to lose weight, but it keeps finding me. So <laughs> it's not working out too well. Mm -hmm. oh. That counts, right? That's a terrible dad joke. Sure, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, take it. <laughs> All right. Oh boy, you know, give me a bone. Uh, 
So, and great. How old are your kids? Uh, my kids are five and two. Okay. Can't work a bad joke into that. No, I, I thought about it. As soon as you did the 10 and two thing, I was like, oh, what can I do with five and two? And like, I, I don't think I can. No, no, not this one. So basically you guys are both experiencing what I am going through currently because my son is two and a half. Mm-hmm. And he is currently age. our, what's that? It's a fun age. It is a fun age. Uh, uh, he has <laughs> recently learned defiance. Oh. And <laughs> yeah. So we're at that stage right now. That's so my my older daughter, she actually didn't start her defiance phase until about three and a half. Okay. And because I, I remember going through the twos going like, wow, these terrible twos. This is nothing. And then she turned three <laughs> and hit defiance like, oh, OK. She was just holding back for a while. She's pulling her punches. And then my my youngest daughter, she hit her defiant phase at like 10 months. And I'll let you know if that ever ends. Yeah. Ten months. She's still learner. Yeah, I know. That was it was crazy. And I'm I don't know if like did she get it from watching her sister or what, but she's um you you know, when you have a child and they're they're not even one yet and you're like, You're gonna you're gonna be the problem for me my my whole life. I got eighteen <laughs> years of this. Yeah, that's that's my youngest. Oh man. So what what's funny to me? And like the way that I have handled problems in the past is I typically will just brute force my way through whatever the issue is. I will just like endure. I will push through or somehow force it into submission or whatever. I can't really do that with a young child, can I? Because there are times where he's just, you know, being defiant. We're, we're trying to get him ready for bed. We're like, put your jammies on. And he's just flopping around on the ground. I'm mm-hmm. like, jammies on and he's just like making noises and faces and like play slapping at me i'm like child i have worked the door and multiple music gigs i have bounced at different music gigs i know multiple ways to throw you in arm bars but society tends to frown on that yeah it's it's and, always fun when you, you like when you see the parent and they're getting on really close to their dad and like all these modern people think like, oh, he's he's meeting him on his level and he's talking to him. It's like, no, you can't hear me threaten to take away Christmas and birthdays. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. I'm I'm threatening worlds of pain that I would be immediately thrown in jail for. So I have to get real close. so No one can overhear the, just, the yes, world. Just yeah, I, I have to I have to paint a, a very dire picture and. <laughs> Listen, young child. <laughs> so help me. I know Santa Claus. We were in the Navy together. I can cancel Christmas today. I will get out my phone and cancel Christmas right now. <laughs> yes, that is that is the lie I'm currently leaning into with my children is that we were in the Navy together. Me and Santa Claus. I always thought Santa would have been in the Air Force. Well, it makes, it makes sense, really, because submarines go up under the ice. So the Navy would actually go to the North Pole from time to time. So the elves are the first ones who uh, explore the Northern Passage? They could have been. We don't know. I wasn't there. That's true. <laughs> I wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, th- there is an Air Force connection, too, obviously, because NORAD tracks him every every uh, year. But uh, uh, you know, actually, I worked with lots of Air Force people as well. So I, I have some contacts on the uh, on the NORAD floor if I ever had to call that one in. Ooh. Like, yeah, watch this website. Watch Santa disappear. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
you, you uh, do what you gotta do. You know, it, it's all about trying to instill a sense of fear in your children of what you'll do when you get fed up enough. Because I think it's an important life lesson for children to be able to recognize somebody progressively losing their crap. So that if it happens out in their adult life, they'll say, like, oh, no, I've seen this happen. He is about to flip out. We need to we need to back off. And I'm pretty sure I've gotten to that point because for the <laughs> most part, I I refuse to count to three. I have never counted to three with my son because yeah. I feel that if we get to that point, like you already know what's going down, like you know what I want you to do and you're actively choosing to not do it. But uh, I've gotten to the point where if we reach that level of frustration, I will do my preparatory <sighs> And that is like the, the signal before I say, last time, Jacob, last time. And there have been times where I've just done the, the deep breath for like recentering myself, bring myself down from like red-faced, absolute rage incarnate into recenter myself and then <laughs> uh, tell the child what I need. He's recognized that deep breath and he has like hopped off his chair to go and to do like whatever it is that I've been yelling at him to do. So that's fun. Kids are fun. Kids kids my, are fun. My dad always did one thing. He would never yell or raise his voice or anything in public. And I kind of transferred this to to my daughters. Uh I won't yell in public. I'm very calm and this and that. If we're at a restaurant and my ten years old acting up and I do the exact thing he did. Give a look say it very nicely and then if it continues you go to put your arm around and it's just a little pinch or that or on the <laughs> leg and they will either sink right underneath the table immediately or like ow, 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 ow. <laughs> and it gets the point across just enough because the next step is to the car mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and follow through follow through with that yep. That's another thing Jacob has learned. Daddy does not make empty threats. No, you you can't do the empty threat. They will pick up on that immediately. Yes. Like if you if you try to do the countdown from three to one, you better have a one, because if yes. you get there and you got nothing, <laughs> then you've lost all your power. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know actually. the worst thing. I I actually did the the countdown with a toy a couple you know a couple years ago with my daughter, and I put it somewhere, and. I'm a big softie. I went to give it back and I lost it. And oh. I completely forgot where I put that boy and we still haven't found it. And we moved. Oh, <laughs> this is a true story. My well, 10 year old, my 10 year old will still bring it up. And I never got that toy back, dad. Yeah. Well, maybe well, you, you learned your lesson, table. didn't you? I, my wife goes, well, where is it? Hun? I, I honestly don't know. I thought yeah. it was on the fridge. I, I don't know where I put it. Yeah. Usually whenever I get a punishment thrown back at me, I like to bring up like, and someday when you're not in federal prison, you can thank me. <laughs> Ooh, what do, uh, speaking of prison, uh, what do prisoners use for phones? I don't know. What do prisoners use for phones? Cell phones. <laughs> Obviously. That's bad. That was fabulous because we're sorely <laughs> lacking on dad jokes. Come on, man. We have three dads here. We got to be doing better than this. Well, well, yeah, we're, we're, I saw two guys walk into dads, a bar. We're tired. <laughs> I mean, it is late. But no, I saw two yeah. guys walk into a bar, and it wasn't until the third one who finally ducked. 
<laughs> uh, I'm ashamed that that was a genuine laugh. <laughs> So let's get on to the other topic of this episode, E3. E3 has, we're just going to assume that it's recently concluded and we are now uh, on the next, the, the day after it, E3. It, it did conclude, by the way. I just Googled it. It Googled yesterday, Thursday, as of time of recording. Okay, fabulous. And I figured, uh, let's just go through maybe three games each. Well, uh, it's my show, so I'll start first. <laughs> I'll do uh, the first game, and then we'll just go down the show notes with uh, do one from Judge Gray, then one from Average Joe, and then circle back around. Sure. And I figure three from each, that should be a solid enough recap for E3. Agreed? I agree. Fabulous. Joe, you don't get a say in this. So- <laughs> okay. <laughs> Short straw. I'm used to it. <laughs> My puppy just decided to join us. Hey, Kinsey. And actually, <laughs> this happens actually quite often. I should think of another charity thing. I'll donate to like ASPCA when uh, whenever one of the dogs decide to join me as one of the recording assistants. Get on the bed. Okay. <laughs> now I'm completely derailed. Uh, first pick for me, this is something that I have been just like, Itch, and like the rest of the gaming community, just been itching to hear more and more about since it was first announced back in like, I don't know, 2013? Cyberpunk yep. 2077. I actually looked it up. It was 2013, first time I heard about it. Okay, bam, right there. And they just had that one little teaser mm-hmm. where it was just kind of a slow motion, slow pan kind of around uh, that woman in the streets and the, the Militech... Uh, cops were just like unloading rounds at her and you think i mean it's clearly designed to make you think that she is this poor defenseless woman in the street why are these militarized police officers unloading clip oh my god she has mantis spikes coming out of her forearm type of thing do you remember watching that original teaser Anyone? Vaguely, actually, yeah. It, I, okay. It, it's it's familiar as you describe it, but if you had asked me to describe it, I would have said uh, there was, was a person. They definitely said it was a cyberpunk game. <laughs> okay. But uh, yeah, so cyberpunk might have actually won the internet, uh, let alone E three. Just for the simple fact that they had Keanu Reeves make a cameo appearance right at the end and then profess his love for the entire crowd. Did you well, see this? Keanu Reeves is like an automatic win these days because I, everyone loves Keanu Reeves now. He's on a real hot streak lately. I mean, he really is. I yeah. mean, he's making killer movies like left and right. Mm-hmm. And he's just he's everybody's favorite. I mean, he's the best in public. I mean... Well, yeah, he's one of those few celebrities where when he's not on a movie set, he's just keeping his nose down and going about his life. And so that makes it so he's subway. Yeah. So it's just it makes it easier to like him, you know, I've seen him. I think, Joe, maybe this was you were alluding to. I saw like a like a candid cell phone video of him just on the subway. I don't know if people are just like, oh, my God, that's Keanu Reeves. I'm going to record it real quick. And he just gives up his seat for someone else that just joined the subway car 
Yep. I, I, I saw the video. Yeah. He's just he's just generally a good guy, apparently. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you see that thing that kind of went viral yesterday about him uh, like taking uh, pictures with fans and this and that? Oh, how he holds his hands. Yep. He he doesn't. He, he you you can get a picture with him uh, like any time, but he never puts his hand on somebody. Like he always, it's always hovering like behind them. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's. I mean, it, it's funny how different people were like twisting that around to sort of like match certain political views, and some people were like, oh. "Look, look at what Keanu Reeves is afraid to do." And I, I'm like, you know, it's yeah. like, okay, back off for a second. How about he just respects people's personal space, and we just leave yep. it at that? Why? Why do we? Why do we have to twist this story around? Maybe he's a germaphobe. I don't know. I don't think he is because. He has a giant beard like that, and germaphobes don't have beards like that. That's no, gross not. generalization that I can't back up. <laughs> well, uh, Joe, tell us about your massive beard. It uh, is a massive beard, it? by the way. I spent when I was <laughs> for the show today. I spent a good fifteen minutes just looking at your beard. Thank you. I, uh, <laughs> I condition. <laughs> Well, I mean, like, in all seriousness, I just have, like, the stubble going on. I'll get, like, the either the the shadow or just a short-trimmed beard. But when even when that gets a little long, things start getting caught in it. And if you're going to be a germaphobe, you cannot have that type of growth, uh, sponge, a catch-all. What do, we, what do we call it? Not to say that, Joe, you're... That all is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're we're not saying you're a slob, Joe. I promise, but it's it's just that the, the responsibility of having the beard is something I don't think I'm ready for. I only grow a beard when my favorite hockey team is in the playoffs. Uh, sad follow up. I no longer have a beard as of Thursday. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> cleanly shaven. Yeah. Uh, completely cleanly shaven right now but it's it's something that i only do like around hockey season or you know on the occasional baseball season and i i have the beard for you know what is essentially a month maybe two months and i'm just ready to shave it after that point i'm just like i'm, I'm sick of stuff getting in it i have to comb it all the time mm-hmm. uh you know and you have to condition that's the thing i don't condition the hair on the top of my head because quite frankly it's leaving and i'm like screw you i'm not gonna give you the good stuff if you're just gonna leave <laughs> but, but with the beard if you don't if you don't condition like it really does make it make a world of difference and so when i see somebody with like the big full luscious gorgeous beard like joe has love your beard joe it's just i'm just impressed (laughs) because i i i i understand the level of effort just based on what i have to do you know every hockey playoff the funny thing is i did it as uh Three years ago, I started growing it out uh, because of work. I work uh, during my day job. I work for Frito-Lay. I'm a regional sales rep. And uh, I they just allowed beards. They used to allow like goatees and mustaches, but they finally came out and changed the, uh, the rules and allowed, you know, full beards. So nobody on my team would would grow one in this. And they're like, oh. Joe, you should probably grow one. You know, I, I stand up and talk to a bunch of people and I grew a beard. I ended up trimming it down. So what you see now is not what it fully was. 
and going into a corporate setting and then seeing my boss's boss's boss and him looking at me going, <laughs> Jesus, Joe, you look like you just crawled off the set of Axemen. <laughs> yeah. So um, you're leading I, by I'm leading Frito-Lay in central New York with the largest beard and possibly on the East Coast. <laughs> we haven't seen Florida, so maybe there's somebody in Florida. I mean, Florida is a, it's a giant wild card anyway. Oh, true. But I can't imagine having that much face fur in that type of heat and humidity. Oh, I mean, you know. Like, I feel no, cool. can't imagine starting bath salts either, but that happens in Florida. So <laughs> that was a real zombie. Just so you know, <laughs> I, I'm convinced. Yeah. Glad we put him down. <laughs> That's awful. I was, I'm just realizing I just, I just had to make a flippant joke about killing another human being. That's not even a dead joke. That's just wrong. I, I still submit it counts though. Okay, sure. Because dads have been known to make off-color jokes. Dad, dads have the- dark humor from time to time. Let's let's not put it in a box. Uh, yeah, so that's cyberpunk. Sure, we'll count that as cyberpunk. <laughs> cyberpunk. Which, incidentally, and I don't know if this is a real take or not that I have here, but I find that the more I hear about it, the less I think it looks good, but the more I actually want to own it and play it. And is that weird? Yeah, can you expand on that a little bit? Um, see, the the funny thing is, I can't like so. I just I was just looking at the E3 stuff because I actually really liked the E3 stuff from last year. I loved it and I kind of fell in love with the game. Okay. And I was I was looking at the stuff from this year, and especially you know as they're showing some of the characters, uh, mm-hmm. I'm finding that I I don't like these people, and I don't know how oh. much I actually have to play with them or interact with them or how much this is a demo or how much of this game that I get to sort of choose my own adventure and not be these people. Mm-hmm. But I didn't like them. But at the same time. As I see, like, you know, he's, he's doing all the cool stuff with the blades in the arms and the shooting and, the, and like the cabs and like the whole world that they created. I thought yeah. I want to play a game in this world. I'm just not sure if I want to play as these people. Yeah, because they are. There's no good people so far in any of their trailers or previews or gameplay demos. or anything. Like there are no like morally good people at no. all. And I think that's just the world of Cyberpunk, because I know that this is based off of the tabletop game, Cyberpunk 2020. And CD Projekt Red has uh, brought in the creator, Mike Pondsmith, to help work on this game. So this is like a full established uh, world or universe. And in the show notes, I'll put a link to... Uh, the Mad Queen show, and she's been doing a ton of lore for Cyberpunk 2020. And the link that I'm going to include in particular is for Johnny Silverhand, who is apparently a rocker boy in the Cyberpunk universe, who apparently is going to be played by Keanu Reeves. Mm -hmm. So that character is actually someone from the lore of the Cyberpunk universe. That's pretty cool. Just don't kill his robot dog. That will end badly. Do not kill his <laughs> robot dog. I don't know if you guys saw that. I posted it up on my uh, on the Facebook and Twitter for uh, the podcast, but it was someone kicking one of those uh, Boston Dynamics dogs. Saying, oh, like, yeah. oh, whatever, yeah. it's just a robot dog. And then, like, the next picture was Keanu Reeves in his cyberpunk outfit. 
<laughs> yeah. With the I red eyes, his, I think his, I character, his character model looks pretty sweet. Yeah. Well, the crazy thing is they had him come in like three years ago to to do all the uh, uh, motion capture and everything, and they've kept it under wraps since then. I mean, they even came out and said during one of their uh, interviews that all last year for all their like press like junkets and this and that and uh calls and whatever have you they kept it under wraps that entire time just to try and save it for e3 and that's impressive to keep that That you know somebody with that much that i i can't remember projects i worked on two months ago much less be able to come out and talk about (laughs) something i did three years ago right that's that's the most impressive part i think yeah, they had they kept that game down locked. Like they let nothing squeak out. Yeah. In regards to that it's game. It's like a Game of Thrones episode. <laughs> so Judge Greg, what's your first game that you want to talk about? So my first game I want to talk about uh is because this was this was the biggest game I wanted to see a preview of uh at the event, and that was Marvel's Avengers. All right. Because we, I mean, I knew nothing. I knew there was an Avengers game coming, and that was it. And I watched all the Final Fantasy stuff in that whole Square Enix show just just to get through to finally see the Avengers. And when I saw it, I don't know. I'm I'm actually now very concerned because the I'm no. I'm this is not a hot take. Everybody has said this, but the character models. And it might be just the fact that we've we've just come off of Endgame, right? So everyone is, mm-hmm. everyone has this very distinct vision of how the Avengers look in their heads, and these yeah. these these character models are are just different enough that where I look and I think you're not Captain America, you're not even dressed like Captain America. Who are right. you? Yeah. And and so and I, you can get past that, right? I mean, like Spider Man in the PS4 games. The first time I saw that suit, I said, "Why?" And now it's <laughs> one of my favorite games of all time. So clearly, that's that's not a deal breaker. But the gameplay seemed incredibly linear, and I'm just I, I just get this vision that it's it's like Marvel's Anthem more than Marvel's Avengers. And especially that when they they shifted almost immediately to talking about like the co op play. And I think I don't I don't want to play with other people. I hate other people. People suck. <laughs> I want to play by myself and never have to interact with anybody. And I'm just I'm worried about, you know, especially when they, they talk about how there's more service coming and it really kind of played games as a service. Now, I'm glad that like any of the characters and everything are free. That's that's good. Um, I imagine you could probably buy some alternate costumes and I'm OK with that. You know, if oh, I, yeah. I would when they put out the skins for the Marvel Cinematic Universe people, I would probably buy those. I will probably buy this game knowing full well that I'm not going to like it all that much because I'm a tool like that for superhero games. But I was I was a bit more concerned than I was excited. However, I think that there was at least enough there that I'm still going to be interested and follow uh, all of the news on this. So is it going to be like a like a battle arena? Like what what does this game what's it going to be like? I it I don't it it doesn't really feel so much like a battle arena. It's almost like just a corridor of fighting is what I and now the gameplay demos were very limited, but it just kind of felt like you just have this corridor and you just kind of fight in your corridor and then you get to the end of the corridor and then you play as somebody else and you fight down their corridor and you know, I I've I've heard that the Avengers kind of have their different looks and feels, which is great. Um it is weird though after, you know, you you you're playing 
this game and you're you're playing as Thor, and after having seen the movies, when Thor calls like regular Mjolnir, it's a little mm-hmm. odd. You're like, oh, where's Stormbreaker? I'm yeah, right. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm used to now. I've I've you've you've given me a full year of Stormbreaker that I've watched uh, Infinity War probably at least uh, a half dozen mm-hmm. times because uh, again, I don't I don't like to have to think about what I'm doing, so I watch the same thing over and over again. Um, <laughs> I I was really kind of put off by that and and also by the the fact that his suit looked like it had headlights that was kind of weird. Yeah. But yeah, I just I get get a corridor feel from it and I'm I'm not sure that that's what I'm looking for and I think I would have liked something a little bit more not necessarily open world but a little more non-linear. Right. And the idea about the microtransactions for different costumes and whatnot, I am waiting for the day that I'm invited to speak on a video game panel at one of the local cons or something, because I'll just come out and say, if someone asks me about, especially if there's some type of drama about microtransactions and the news like leading up to that, I absolutely love microtransactions. I never purchase them, but I love that they're there. And that they provide additional like aesthetics and vanity type items because they do not change the game play in the least. They just add to the game experience. And especially if you want a game that's going to be supported in the least after launch, you got to pay those developers, you know? Yeah. You, you get, you got, if you want them to balance the game or provide any like bug fixing after the people who are managing those servers, the people who are balancing the weapons and the gameplay, you know, they're expecting to get paid at, you know, professional AAA developer levels. And if you can support that by getting a shiny new hat or two on occasion, I am like all for it personally. Yeah. So I've, I take a very extreme look, but I'm also a realist. So I'm, I'm in Mm -hmm. the camp of, uh, no microtransactions ever. And the reason okay. I, I say that is because if if you give them an inch, they take a mile. So if I say I'm okay with just the, the, the visuals, just the skins, the aesthetics, then it almost concedes myself to, oh, well, then we'll put it in a loot box and maybe you'll get your aesthetic. And, you know, it, it's and like, I, so totally I don't, I don't open that. the window. I will tolerate the aesthetic microtransactions, but generally I don't want there to be any. However, realistically speaking, uh, the servers need to stay on. You need money to keep the lights on. You need money for development. Business got a business and people need food. So I, I understand it, but I've, I've sort of taken the hardball stance of you have it's it's not something that is going to be approved by me. You need to earn the right to do it by doing it in a way that doesn't offend me. I will accept that. I will totally accept that. Uh, Joe, any input before you go into your first pick of the episode? No, I, I'm really excited for the uh, the Marvel Avengers yeah. game. I, I, I like the different direction, getting away from the actors. I mean, I'm pumped for it. I, the gameplay looked awesome on the bridge. I mean, it looked really cool jumping in and out of the different different mm-hmm. characters and all the different features that are, you know, powers and skills each one of them have. So I think it'd be really cool. And I think everybody with, uh, oh, shoot, what was that big game that turned out not to be big this year? Anthem. Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. was into uh, being, you know, pretending to be Iron Man. So now they can actually be Iron Man. Yes, so. <laughs> officially. 
All right, so give us your first pick. Uh, if you don't know me, <laughs> I am a big Destiny fan. And, and I if you're this not was like a with pre- your podcast, Saint 14 is a character from Destiny. This is true. This is true. So go I, it's a pre. It, I'm calling it as their E3 announcement because it, it they released it like literally a day or two prior to it yeah. and that was their big announcement uh shadow keep this fall is the newest expansion for destiny 2 and just the direction they're bringing the game as well and going back to the moon and everything i'm just wicked hyped for it i mean i cannot wait for that to come out so are they calling uh, it shadow keep because of all the shade that they threw at activision during their announcement it's possible it's definitely I I no no. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Count it. Ring the bell. But, yeah, ding. But but seriously, <laughs> like it, it got uncomfortable a couple of times where they were saying, like, eh, we've always wanted to support cross save. We believe that your guardian should go wherever you go, but there were uh reasons with a capital R why we couldn't do that, and now those reasons have disappeared. I'm like Wow, you guys aren't being subtle at all. Oh, it burns. It burns. Okay, but you yeah. know what? I love when companies do that, when they throw shade at each other, because oh, I dig that so much. I mean, the year that PlayStation took all the shots at the Xbox One and all like the weird DRM stuff, mm-hmm. I was I was all for that. I love it because if, if when, when it gets a little too chummy in there, I, I start to think like, okay, guys, come on. You're competing for my dollar. At least act like yeah. you want it. Yeah, and I was, that was a shameful, painful time for me because I was still being an Xbox fanboy at that time. And I just kept watching every fumbled and bungled uh, delivery of explanation of how they were going to handle the DRM. I'm like, oh my God, you guys are just making it worse. And then Sony came out with, here's how you share games with your friend. And they just passed the disc between each other. Yeah. I mean, oh. I, I um, Microsoft and like, I, I like the Xbox. I have both um, of the major mm-hmm. systems. I shouldn't say both because switch is a major system, but I, I don't I don't have a switch. <laughs> and, and that was it. I'm not I wasn't even trying to throw shade at switch. I'm just be, because, you know, they, they were later to the game after I'd sort of been done buying new consoles. But mm-hmm. I, I really like sort of the environment of the Xbox system and I love the Xbox controller. And so it's, it's very hard for me to move past it because the Xbox controller feels right and the PlayStation controller feels wrong. And again, because I have idiosyncrasies about myself, uh, the circle, square, X, and triangle, oh. I don't like that as much as I like A, B, X, and Y. A, B, X, and Y are letters. I get that. The, the shapes. It's, I don't I, – what what is this? What are these shapes? Where are my letters? I've had letters since I was four years old. Seriously, like A B A B X Y. Even Sega Genesis said A B C. Yeah. Nintendo was it the sixty four had the the directional C pad. It did. Yeah, they've had letters since I said four, but that's not four. I was just the there was only one button on the controllers back then. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, oh, Nintendo. Sure. How old was I in Nintendo? So however old I was with Nintendo, so I don't know, right. older than four, but less than ten. Sure, somewhere in there. I'll give you a six year range in there is is when I started using letters on my buttons, and I've been doing it ever since. However, to be perfectly fair in terms of uh, the Xbox, is that PlayStation does tend to get better games. 
and they usually have better customer support. Although they did lose my credit card information about four times in a row, so I was a little annoyed with them at the time when I was buying consoles, but Xbox also once refused to, they, they once broke my PlayStation, or no, the Xbox couldn't break my PlayStation. But, wow. I was going to say, wow. Addictive guys, aren't they? No, they, uh, I, I had to send uh, an Xbox 360 to Microsoft for a repair. And when it came back, it came back even more broken than when I sent it. Like I sent it and it just wouldn't start. And they brought it back and it like looked like somebody took a hammer to it. And they refused for about four months to replace it for me. Uh, I had to legitimately, I had to file a better business bureau complaint before they would replace the Xbox. Wow. So, so I have no loyalty to either one of these companies, but I will say that I tend to like how PlayStation does things better. Awesome. Uh, getting back onto Shadowkeep, this is actually the game that made me bring out. I still have one of my one of my Xbox. At one point, I had every Halo Edition Xbox. But that's a whole other story. Uh, Shadowkeep coming out for Destiny 2 is the reason why I brought my Xbox One back to life and restarted hmm. it a few days ago because they're also bringing cross saves to yeah, Destiny. Yeah, that's huge. It's that is- huge. And that's one of the things why I wanted to bring this the game up first for me because... Mm-hmm. Yeah, crossplay is something they're going to look into, but cross save was the one thing that kept me from going to any other console or, you know, PC or anything. I just, that's a heck of a grind for a game. And I am not grinding all the way through that again. So this is making me really ecstatic. Yeah. I mean, I'm actually down to the point where I only have one character. Like everyone will typically have one of each character class the Hunter, Titan, and Warlock, I only grind on a Warlock at this point because I just don't have the time. So being able to just cross-save back over to Xbox and join up with my old my old clanmates, uh, that would be a blast to be able to do. So, yeah, can't wait for that. That comes out in September, yeah? September 16th, I believe. Okay. I believe, and we're going back to the moon from Destiny 1 and oh. Eris Morn. Everybody has been, like, going flibberty gyps, you know, wondering where this, you know, half-evil, three-eyed, <laughs> you know... Melodramatic, uber-god. Yeah, just fingertips on your mind, you know. The, there's so many memes. I mean, lately oh, it's just great. been endless, just Eris Morn. A lot of the artists in the community, I love them all. And mm-hmm. they've been really making some amazing pieces uh, highlighting that character. So I'm really excited. But there were scenes, like little snippets of past bosses, like mm-hmm. Skolas, if you played Destiny 1, and Crota. And there was a, a shot of Oryx. And it's like, I mean, yeah, come like- on now. I mean... If we get them back in just any way, shape, or form, that's awesome. Yeah, I had to explain to one of my buddies at the office who started playing Destiny on PC, so he never played D1. I was like, all right, so those big dudes that you saw during the trailer, they are significant. They are very significant as far as the lore of the game is concerned, so watch out for those guys. (laughs) Just keep an eye out while you're going. (laughs) All right, moving on. Uh, the second game I'd like to bring up, and this is a bit of more of an indie title. I'm going to go with Sinking City. 
And that is because I am like a huge fan of the lore, lore craft. Lovecraft lore. There we go. Uh, are you guys familiar with H.P. Lovecraft? His work? Mm-hmm. Mildly okay. familiar, yeah. Well, this one, I, I tried playing Call of Cthulhu earlier this year. And it it was okay. I was expecting more of an RPG type of experience, but it was more, I guess I'll call it a narrative RPG. So it was, it was kind of wonky the way that they've worked in some RPG elements into it, but it was still mainly a narrative type of game. This one, Sinking City, again, obviously Lovecraft, uh, takes place in any town, New England, and just constantly raining and everything that you would expect from a Cthulhu Mythos type of setting is there. But this one I'm looking forward to because it is more of a detective style game. And while those games are obviously much slower paced than our first-person shooters or whatever uh, Avengers is going to be. I've started to play some more indie games recently just as a change of pace and as something that I can finish in like eight to 10 hours type of thing and complete a story. Do you guys do any of the indie game, any indie game type stuff? I try to, I I mean, I've, I, I generally enjoy them, but it's, I'm so limited in the time that I can play games that I'm usually putting in some triple a game that takes me months and months and months to beat. But Mm -hmm. I like this. I mean, I think the closest I've seen to an indie game lately would be uh, life is strange. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cause I, I know like it, it, that it sort of feels big. I mean, cause it's, it square Enix puts it out. Right. So it's, it's, it's Uh, sort of triple A ish, but it's really got an indie game feel to it. And I've really, I really enjoy those games and like the small indie episodic story driven games. That's, you know, that's always sort of been my thing. So I've, I play quite a bit of those and I, I used to, I was a lot more last gen when, the Xbox had the whole the indie market that like wasn't even the published games, but like any Joe Schmo could just throw a game up on there and you could play it. And I used to play tons of those. And I think, you know, when you, especially if you're getting sick of just the, the standard stuff that, that a lot of games put out that you want a game that you literally couldn't describe it to somebody because they would have no concept of what it was similar to. <laughs> That's sort of my thing sometimes. And so I really love those kinds of games. You know, and I can dig that because it's just something different. You know, like, I love my first-person shooters, but in some capacity, they start to blend together, even though I'll just keep gravitating towards, like, a handful because those are the ones that I enjoy in their universe and their mechanics in particular. But at the same time, that's also because the rest of the first-person shooters are all kind of take-it-or-leave-it type of thing. You know what I mean? They're all kind of like blend together. So once you move into the indie game space, that's when you really start getting a lot of separation or a lot of uniqueness to the game and the game mechanics themselves. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, an indie game will try something new because what do they got to lose? You know, yeah, right. Yeah. And a lot of times also I've noticed, especially with some more recent indie games and some of the local indie game developers, is that they'll go for different art styles that are more, not so much cell shaded, but illust- illustrative, I guess the term would be. Mm-hmm. And just some of the visuals that they come up with are just absolutely stunning and very artistic. 
as opposed to the either hyper-realism or quasi-realism that you would get in most AAA titles. Yeah, AAA games tend to be very gray or very brown. And, oh. and, yeah, and yeah. that's a, a gross generalization, but it happens a lot. And so it's in indie games, things tend to be a little more stylized and can also tend to be a little bit more colorful. And I appreciate that. All right. So, Judge Greg, what's your second pick? Oh, so my second pick. So I'm my obviously if you guys are looking at the show notes i made some weird picks for weird reasons so my second pick is going to be ghostwire tokyo um this is a game that i probably wouldn't have even given a second look to if it wasn't for akumi nakamura's introduction of the game because she was just absolutely charming and endearing and did a little dance when she was introducing it and it was it was it was so humorous to me because i didn't even see that conference but like i she was everywhere and I saw her and I thought, oh, why does everyone like this person? And then I watched her. I said, oh, that's why everyone likes this person. <laughs> she's she's actually a very amusing person. And she's a, she's a wonderful person to listen to. And she's very excited about her game. And then I watched her game. And it's like the a Japanese psychological horror action adventure game. Yes. And I know nothing about it. I don't think there was a lick of gameplay in that reveal or, or anything nope. they talked about. But man, does that look interesting. Yes. And... I purposefully did not put it on my list only because I really didn't have anything else to say about it because there really was no gameplay, but it looks really interesting. Yes. It's, it's enough so that I'm going to be following about every piece of news I can, I can see about this game until it's released. And I'm dying to see some gameplay to see, you know, what it, what it actually is because it's the, the, the setting that they gave me was enough to keep me interested, which I think was the point. And I, I think we're, we we have not seen the, the last of uh, Akumi Nakamura. I think she's oh. going to be out there every time they talk about this game now. Oh, sure. Uh, Joe, were you able to catch a glimpse of this game? I was. I I love the, the, like the world building they did in it. It just, I'm probably going to be following it as well. Uh, it, it's not quite my type of my cup of tea, but mm-hmm. uh, oh, totally it definitely that. looks looks pretty pretty awesome. And I'll tell you what, she had I if I try and pronounce her name, I'm gonna butcher it. I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, but she she was probably the number two best uh, presenter at E3. Behind I mean, John Thumb's dog, uh, yes, had yeah. a lot of <laughs> Bam Bam. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Bam Bam was awesome. Uh, it now I'm thinking about the dog. Uh, <laughs> see, look at that something shiny, to and I'm with, gone. Yeah. yeah, but no, she was very animated and very entertaining to watch. So I uh, I hope they have her taking taking the lead on presentations and delivering information more in the future. Mm. That's it. That's all I got. Yeah. Okay. No, that's good. Cool. That's a pretty average response. I don't you decided not to jump on that. I, I, I honestly don't know. I thought well, you, and, you made your point very well. And, and that's the thing. Like, we don't know much about this. But that little – well, it's a little bit longer than a teaser trailer. But for that one brief introduction announcement trailer, I'll call it, like, the, the style just looks amazing. And the fact that we – don't know like all we saw was we're panning through a tokyo subway station and 
people are just vanishing, but just their just their bodies, like their clothing's falling to the floor, and it seems instantaneous as well. Yeah, it's it's like a, a rapture type event. Yes, yes, you know, because that's that's because it's not even like they're being abducted; like they're being they're they're being raptured away, and all the you know their clothes and everything is just falling where it lays. Right. So definitely gonna be looking out for that. All right. Joe, what you got for number two? Number two for me was I actually want to skip one since you brought up uh, indie. Okay. Uh, I I'm I love this studio and I love going to PAX conventions as well because mm-hmm. it's very indie developer. Yes. You know, it's centered around a lot yes. of indie developers and it gives them an opportunity to show what they're working on and everything. So if you're ever interested go to go to one of those conventions and you'll fall in love with a hundred different games but double fine is a amazing studio and they're an indie and they created uh, a game a few years ago called psychonauts Mm -hmm. and they during e3 they dropped a trailer for uh, psychonauts 2 which is coming out later this year and I, it's just a continuation of those characters. It's a very kind of like animated, colorful uh, world that they made. Uh, they also have a catalog of other games. And every game they put together, there's little like wisecrack jokes and this mm-hmm. and that. Kind of like a Borderlands. And it's just, it's a, a great, a great game that I think everybody would really enjoy by playing it because it, it's not going to take a lot to be involved in it. I mean, it's a great game to be able to play, have a positive gaming experience from it, and just enjoy your time playing the game. So it's an above, above, you know, it's not a first person or anything, so you're seeing it from above. So okay. it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So Double Fine is, is a, they produced a lot of really, really good games. And did I hear recently that uh, Microsoft bought them? Uh, I don't know if Microsoft bought them. I know Microsoft bought Ninja Theory. Okay. I thought I thought it was like very recent. I'm, I'm trying. I'm googling it as I talk because I'm trying to find it out because I, I thought I I heard that they bought Double Fine and I was I was hoping that I would have a scoop or something hot to talk about here and I'm hoping if I can just keep the sentence rolling, it'll give me enough time to scope onto Wikipedia. And in June 2019, Double Fine <laughs> became part of Xbox Game Studios. Look that at that! Is an experienced <laughs> podcaster right there. That is a man. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows how to work the microphone? I'll <laughs> pass the keyboard. <laughs> yep, yep. That's what sometimes when you're just making stuff up and you have to check yourself while you're mid sentence, you just keep it rolling. And, and yeah, so wow. Um, that's crazy that they're going to be uh, an Xbox Game Studio. So that essentially means that all their stuff's going to be Xbox exclusives, right? Uh, I don't know. With the Game Pass, I mean, it, it, they make it kind of well. Yeah, I'm PC, sure a lot of yeah. their games will be included in on the PC, and yeah, it's, maybe. I hope not. I know their games are still offered on Steam right now, and uh, you can buy discs for uh, Psychonaut. I think you can actually get it on PlayStation right now on the PlayStation Store. I, I believe Psychonaut is we'll on have to see. But yeah, we'll see what the yeah. future wants, and it's interesting that they announced that ninja theory was scooped up by 
Xbox because wasn't Hellblade originally? I don't know if it wasn't so much as an PlayStation exclusive as much as they only released it on PlayStation. You yeah, know what I it mean? was it was only released on PlayStation. In fact, I don't think it was released on Xbox until just about the same time that Xbox bought Ninja Theory. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now yeah, I, I have no idea if the timing was coincidental or not on that, but. I, I remember he, those those two announcements sort of came back to back to me. Mm-hmm. They they announced another game too during E three Ninja Theory, and I didn't catch it, so oh, I don't have they? any information oh, no. on that. Uh, we were talking about it last night, and somebody brought it up. But if just bringing up uh, Hellblade, that is a hell of a game, and I've played it through a couple times, and I love the combat. I love everything that they created in that game and it's it they had mental health professionals and uh clinicians helping with delivering the the mental uh mental disorder of psychosis properly and this and that what it's like and it they they nailed it i mean it's a a beautiful game and it's a blast to play yeah, it's it's dark, but oh, it's so dark. Yes, Dude. yeah, it's yeah, it's not. <laughs> you're Great not going to be laughing, <laughs> but uh, I, I I just love how you're not worrying about your character's loadout. I mean, you're that not worried nice about times. like the <laughs> the diamond ruby encrusted sword, you know, with you know five billion hit points to it or whatnot, or you know, look at this sh- this sash. I look so cute in it. No, nope, <laughs> no, nope. it's literally the most basic. You don't pull your weapon out until danger is around you and it, it's just an automatic thing so there's there's combat zones in it and once you get rolling and get used to the controls of that game it's just the combat is probably one of the best parts about you know experiencing it and it's still it's very varied enough also even though it's it's somewhat basic it's still varied enough so that you still gotta you know dash around dodge around a little bit uh, so it keeps it it keeps it fresh enough without going overboard with 101 different skills. And Judge Greg, were you able to play Hellblade? Yes, I okay. I love the game. I lo- what what it's really nice about the game, and it just it's it's what Joe sort of been saying, and and I'd hate to just piggyback and jump off it, but it's my impression is that it it shaved away a lot of sort of the extraneousness that you get in a lot of the uh, the larger title titles, and it just it made. I feel like in games, a lot of times you you have sort of they they try to tell a story because the story has become much more important. But you sort of have the action, then the story and the action and then the story. And with Hellblade, I, I felt like the action and the story were far more coalesced with each other. And All so, right. like when you cut the sort of the extraneous stuff out, and you you cre- they've created this experience, which not only it looks like it came from a AAA studio, you know, it looks like oh, a super yes. high budget. It's gorgeous, and, but they they managed to they made the cuts in the right places so that it's a very streamlined story experience, and the combat doesn't detract from it. It it adds to the the story and the story experience, and I think that was that was huge. And I think if they were to make that game bigger, I think they would have just been stretching it out and adding filler because they were able to tell a complete and coherent story within that eight to 10 hour gameplay experience. Like if they had additional areas or different or additional 
Nordic gods that you had to take down, it would have been the same thing, just with a different backdrop over and over again, I feel. Right. Like the way it was set up. It's it's quit while you're ahead, basically. You know, like, don't try to pad out the games because Lord knows I've seen games that were artificially padded out. And I'm looking at you, Dante's Inferno. And when when you've already used up your ideas and now you're just trying to make your game longer for the sake of being a longer game, gamers, they're not dumb that way. They can tell. And they generally don't like that, Dante's Inferno. So I didn't play Dante's Inferno, but I was throwing the stink eye over to Assassin's Creed as far as just dragging stuff out. Yeah, you know uh, what? Assassin's Creed is pretty guilty. And, and I'm I'm saying this as somebody who really liked Assassin's Creed 1, 2, and Origins, and only 1, 2, and Origins. <laughs> um, they they but, certainly do have a way of dragging things out, and Origins is just as guilty as the others, but at least I was entertained along the way. Yeah. All right, so... Back to me for my third and final one, Watch Dogs Legion. I didn't even know this game was, I mean, I knew it was in development. I heard hearing whispers here and there about it, but I had no idea that they had plans to bring this out into E3. So third installment of the Watch Dogs series, and it's kind of odd to me that in the first Watch Dogs, DedSec was like the enemy corporation, or the enemy organization, I should say. And then in Watch Dogs 2, you became part of DedSec. And now, like if you were to enter the series at 2 or enter the series now, you would think that DedSec were the good guys the entire time. <laughs> and I just... All right, cool. We're just going to completely abandon that whole narrative. And okay, so you're now the rebel group. You're now the hacker group fighting against the system. Cool. I can relate with that. But <laughs> uh, yeah, my, the remnants of my punk rock youth. Yep. <laughs> fighting the system. But uh, it'll be interesting. I'm curious, kind of wary, uh, how they're going to pull off the you can recruit anyone to be on your team and to play as yeah uh, that was the, the most interesting aspect of that game to me was that recruiting because typically what happens is your your general just walking down the street you know joe or jane schmo in one of these games tends to not get the same sort of love and care in their design as the established protagonist Yes, and and now you're telling me that I can just grab one of these people and play as them. So I have to wonder, like, so did they have to take it like one step beyond in making sure that these people were were? I mean, you know, th- that there's not going to be clipping issues, that they're, they're not going to look awful when they're doing this stuff. That you could just grab a character off the street and play through the entire game as them, and it will still be a satisfying experience. It's not going to take the player out of it. And I'm I'm very much as somebody who was not interested in watchdogs at all that alone got me to pay attention to this game so even as a gimmick i think it's an effective gimmick uh but i'm really interested in sort of seeing a little bit more of that because you know it's it's very hard to ignore the game demo when the old lady is like grabbing the guy from behind <laughs> and shooting him right like it's you're like huh well, i didn't see that coming and then so i I'm, I'm very curious about it i have no clue the story so much as you know, generally, I, I, I get the None. gist of what's going on, but I'm uh, it, the gameplay looks like it's 
like it's good. I mean, the the last games, the, all the gameplay has looked very competent. So I have no no delusions that these people don't know how to make a, a solid gameplay experience. So really the story and, and the fluidity of it is what drives it. And I'm very interested in seeing more from this game. I mean, I know that for the most part, what game companies will do, <clears throat> and in this case Ubisoft, with a lot of their games is just for the random people, you have like a data set, or maybe not data set, sorry, where you have a collection of different hats, a collection of different shirts, a collection of different pants, a collection of different body styles. And as people are generated, it's just spin six roulette wheels and ding, 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 ding. That's what the person looks like. Mm-hmm. And that's how they do the randomization for uh, the individuals. But also I'm concerned about are the different voices that they're given these characters. Like, yeah, like how many voices there have to come in to voice all the different lines that you would need to voice for all the different missions and stuff of the game. That's a lot of voices other than just like the, you might be able to have a, a collection of standard uh, grunts and celebratory phrases and frustrated uh, lines here and there. If like something doesn't go quite their way or something like that, I can see that. But I mean, again, how many different voices are you going to put on that? Yeah. Joe, any input? No, I'm just enjoying this conversation. <laughs> I didn't right. watch much <laughs> Watchdog. I was selective on what I was uh, checking out. E3 okay. since there was just so much. I, mean, I, actually, I actually have an Aiden Pierce statuette next to me right now. So he was the main character of the original Watchdogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I, I liked his character design, honestly. Oh, yeah. It was real cool. It, 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 well, I mean, it, Watch Dogs certainly, I know they had a little bit of controversy in terms of what they showed at E3 versus what the game looked like, but yeah, I well, mean, there was that, but... but I mean, in terms of like game design, I thought it looked pretty cool. I'm pretty sure I own the game. It's just sitting in my stack of shame somewhere, but right. uh, well, it's, it's such an interesting concept to me when they, when it first came out, because the superhero superpower was a super cell phone. Mm-hmm. rather than some type of mutant ability or amazing fighting skills or something like that. And the premise was the whole cybersecurity aspect of it all and being able to infiltrate systems by, quote, hacking into a uh, ATM on the outside of the machine, and that will give you access to security cameras where you leapfrog uh, down the hall across different security cameras into the laptop inside the secure office to download the bank account information. Like that was really interesting to me. And now I, they're going full blown hacker anarchists in the city. It seems to be. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's very, very interesting. And it, it makes me kind of want to go back and play watchdogs and get myself caught up in the series. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first watchdogs, they, I had some other issues with their storytelling because there were some people who I thought were going to be like key players, but they showed up in like one chapter and that was it. And then they were gone again type of thing. So I thought they were going to end up being key players, but they ended up just kind of being just either a throwaway or a, like just a vehicle to get you through this one section of the game. So there was a little bit of that. All of the side stories didn't tie into the main story, like all that well. But two definitely improved on that, and let's let's see what they're going to do with round three for Watch Dogs. So yeah. it should be interesting. 
It should be. All right, Greg, back to you. What's your third and final pick? All right, so my third and final pick, uh, it's not going to be the one in the show notes because the one in the show notes was Ghost Recon Breakpoint, and I actually don't like that game at all. It doesn't look interesting at all to me. I just like John Bernthal's dog. So we've talked about John Bernthal's dog already. I think we can move on. So I was I was kind of, for, for the third game, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence because I really, I thought Death Stranding was very interesting, but so was Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. And so I'm going to give preference to the game that actually decided to make an announcement at E3 and not Death uh-huh. Stranding because Death Stranding is I don't even want to talk about what's going on there. So Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Um, All right, so we'll talk about this. Yeah, I I think the game looks interesting. No, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. So when I say that I'm interested in a Star Wars game, that's that's kind of a significant thing to say because I've, you know, I'm going to Disney World uh, this December and Star Wars Land is opening, and I don't care. I will never set foot there. I don't have any intention of even looking that general direction. That's how little I care about Star Wars. But, you know, the last time I kind of got excited for a game like this was The Force Unleashed, and it's drawn a lot of comparisons uh, between the two of them. I like the idea of playing as a Jedi because I think if you're going to give me a Star Wars game and make me just play as some guy who shoots a gun, like you've you've sort of missed the point of, of why people like Star Wars. And so I like the idea of playing as, as a Jedi. I like the idea that that Jedi is Joker from Gotham. And... <laughs> And I, I sort of like the idea of these little side stories. I mean, I've I've been a fan of of the side stories that come out of Star Wars probably more than the movies, and mostly the ones that get made into video games. Because I'm thinking my top stories right now would be this one, The Force Unleashed, and then uh, there was that one that came out on N64. Uh, oh, so the one that happened between Empire and Jedi, uh, Shadows of the Empire, I think it was called. And I was a fan of that game, and I thought that was pretty cool. So I'm I'm sort of interested to see where they go with that. I like the story. I like setting stuff in this universe. It's an interesting universe. I just happen to think that the movies are probably the, the least enthralling part of it. And I think it's a great universe to play games in. Um, although I'm not going to ride the Millennium Falcon ride at Disney World. That's just not <laughs> happening. Oh, <laughs> it's it's. I have better things to do with my time. There's a slink dog roller coaster now. I got to be on that. All right, all right. You got me back. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, there's there are so many things that would require me to uh, relinquish my geek and nerd card, and like I'm not a huge Star Trek fan, and I'm not. I mean, I'll enjoy the Star Wars movies, but I've never really. The last time I played a Star Wars game was the one on Super Nintendo. So, yeah. like, I just, I, it's just not a universe that does anything for me. And I, I feel kind of shameful about that because I know that it's, it's a huge and much loved universe. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and granted, the, the fans tend to make it hard to join them in being a fan of this because generally Star Wars fans don't like you not being a full on Star Wars fan. And I'm a fan of, yeah. yeah, I'm a fan of Star Wars in that I'm a fan of, of classic movies. And so the original trilogy falls into that realm. 
and that's sort of where my fandom is born from. And, you know, so I'm a, I'm a fan of those movies the same way I'm a fan of Casablanca in the same way I'm a fan of the Shawshank Redemption, you know? So I, I appreciate the universe and I like it and it's fun to play games from there, but I just, I don't have that full on fandom, but at the same time, that means I can play a game like this and I won't be sitting there like nitpicking like, Oh, well he does force push, but generally you can't do force push and force whatever at the same time because the midichlorians and blah, blah, blah. I don't care. I don't care about any of that. You can go ahead and trample the lore and I won't even notice. But if you let me swing around a laser sword and push, people with my mind i'm there all in yeah and that's where it's at right there i mean that's that's what's pulling me in that lightsaber combat and it looks awesome yes yes it does i like how gritty it it, it, it's looking before Mm -hmm. star wars movies used to be clean you know they in in a sense they used to be very clean now they're starting to get into bad neighborhoods and just uh, dark and dank cities and he's on the run it just i I like the vibe that this game is giving out and yeah. uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna play it and it'll probably be the first star wars game i've played since i don't think it's playstation 2 but it was like a fighting star wars one. Oh, i remember mm-hmm. that one yeah i never played it but it it was a it was an interesting looking game and i've certainly watched gameplay of it all right hey joe bring us home What's your number three pick? My number three is an old classic, and it's got a sequel to it, and I am loving it because it is just mindless run and gun, and it's uh, Doom Eternal. I know a lot of people aren't awesome. A lot of people aren't too excited about it, but you know what? I am. I thought you know the re the when they redid Doom uh, two Mm -hmm. years ago, I think it it just brought so much life to it. And you were just literally running oh, yeah, and gunning. Yeah. There was nothing else. I mean, there's no stopping doing this and that. Nope. You were balls to the wall going through absolutely everything and minions and fight. Just it's it was awesome. It's a floating beholder meatballs. And yeah, I remember wow. when that, uh, that trailer was unleashed upon the world and it was the most hell paced um, gore fest I've ever seen oh, yeah. and the people were just loving it because that's yes. what you play game for I noticed with this one they showed like some type of hell keep or hell castle somewhere mm-hmm. in the abyss and I thought are they trying to put a story <laughs> into doom that's how what people are well, playing there, the there was always a nominal story to do so i was a huge fan of the doom in the early days and to the point where i played doom 3 and just a quick moment of, of solitude and, and silence for the people who played doom 3 i'm so <laughs> sorry my brothers that we went through this together but it was uh yeah, it, it, anytime you really try to throw a story behind Doom, it went wrong. The nominal story, I think, of the first Doom, is that everyone can at least agree on, is that you were at a space station on the moons of Mars, and you accidentally opened a gate to hell. And Doom works when that's where the story ends as well. You're like, okay, yeah, and now it's done, and now just do your thing. And so Doom 2, the story there was, well... Um, now hell has come to earth and then you eventually go to hell. And again, that's sort of where the story stopped and I'm okay with that. And so if, if, Mm -hmm. if all that's happening here is you're shooting over, killing a bunch of zombies and eventually end up in hell, 
as long as that's where the story ends, I'm okay with it. I mean, going to a big hell castle to take on some, like, super demons. Okay, cool. I can roll with that. But don't try to start interjecting some type of worldview philosophies. I don't need to see any any parables and to the real day. I think sometimes a demon can just be a demon and you have to shoot yep. it in the face with a shotgun. Yeah, and that's why I like this this franchise. I mean that it literally brings it to that. You know? mm-hmm. See that over there? Go shoot it. That thing as fast yeah. and hard as you can. Yeah, that thing, go shoot that as well. And that thing, tear it in half. And that yeah. thing, blast it with a BFG nine thousand. And that thing, go kill it too. Oh look, you found a key card. Now go get a bigger gun. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh man, I love the remake. I cannot wait for Doom Eternal. All right. Uh, I'm just skimming through the show notes. No, um, we didn't get any listener questions. I am not going to bother with the final five since this is a special edition episode. So we're just going to wrap it up. So that is all the time we have for this episode. Time for some end of show plugs. You can find the show notes for this and all previous episodes at videogamecrosstalk.com, as well as all social media contacts and the occasional blog post when I get the time. You can follow me around on Twitter, Instagram, PS4, and yes, Xbox One, now that I gave it new life, uh, and Twitch at, at HyperSyntax, H-Y-P-3-R-S-I-N-T-4-X. And for my guest, Judge Greg, why don't you hit us with your socials real quick? All right. So if you're looking for me, I am on Twitter at Judge Greg is Law, all one word. And I host the show, the Real Hero Talk podcast, and you can find that on Enthusiacs.com. And I also generally co-host another show called Gamers Without Borders, and you can find us on Twitter at GWBpod. All right. And Joe, what you got for us? Uh, you can generally find me on Twitter at Average Joe. 227 that's avg joe 227 and you could also find me uh floating around the project guardians discord and twitter and website and if you uh care to find some resources on uh mental health awareness or any support uh feel free to reach out to us or you know get in contact with us or just uh skim around and uh try and find some uh information for yourself we have plenty around and the website is www.guardiansmh.org. All right. And finally, if you are a gamer or know a gamer that wants to talk some tech and science news, let me know. Do you know of some tech news you have to hear discussed? Do you have any other general questions like here answered on the show? Send an email to videogamecrosstalk at gmail.com or tweet at the show using the hashtag. Using the hashtag, I can talk, I swear. Ask VGXT and give me the details on what's going down. Please don't forget to like, review, subscribe, and share this podcast all over your social media accounts. We can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Thank you guys one last time for hanging out with us. And Judge Greg and Average Joe, thank you so much for joining me for this special edition podcast.
Yeah, man, it was a blast. Hey, thanks, thanks for, for having me. me. I I hadn't even met Joe before, and now I feel like I feel like I've met a new friend. I just want to keep listening to Judge talk. I mean, that <laughs> voice, man. <laughs> 